Hi, I'm June Kaslamir, and you're listening to In the Pocket, a podcast brought to you by the National Filipino American Lawyers Association. So October is Filipino American History Month, and this episode featuring Beth Oliveira shows us that you can embrace your Philem heritage at any stage in your life. It could be something that you were surrounded by from the beginning, or in Beth's case and mine, a quiet realization that it's been with you all along. We hope you enjoy this interview with one of our upcoming and follow rock stars. So I'm here today with Beth Oliveira, an associate at Cozen O'Connor in Chicago. Beth is also the current secretary for one of and follows affiliate organizations, the Filipino American Lawyers Association of Chicago. Beth also helps chair the Enfala Young Lawyers Network, which has led Enfala's efforts to address some of the well-being for young Philam professionals brought about in part by coronavirus quarantine measures, which are, as of September 2020, still in effect. Beth, I wish I was able to interview you in person, but it's great to be speaking with you remotely today. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm hanging in there. So as you know, we like to go a little bit back and capture some of our interviewees' uh, origin stories. Can you tell us where you were born and where you grew up? Sure. So um, I'm from the northwest suburbs of Chicago. That's where I was born and raised. Um, So I grew up in Algonquin, Illinois, which is about, about 45 minutes on a good day to the city. Um, And that's where, you know, grew up and lived my whole life. So let's talk about um, your upbringing. Can you tell me how your parents met? Sure. So they um, actually worked together. My dad owned a marketing and advertising company and my mom was one of his employees and the rest is history. So you are Filipino on your father's side, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. And what about um, your mom's family? So my mom's family is mostly, you know, she has the European side. She's kind of a mix of a bunch of things. Um, She Mm -hmm. is actually, you know, a little bit German, Austrian, Polish. It's kind of like the mix over there on her side. Growing up was amazing. We actually lived close to both my mom's side and my dad's side of the family. So we visit each other a lot. Um, We actually have always lived across the street from my Filipino grandparents, and we still do today. So it's been great to kind of grow up really close to family and have really close ties in the area. We lived in an area that was, you know, a little bit less diverse, but we never really felt that we were, you know, uh, like outcasts or different or anything like that. It was very welcoming and very inclusive. But, you know, it was just being Filipino was something that I would mention in passing It was just one Mm -hmm. part of me. And, you know, sometimes it would never come up and sometimes it would. And, you know, obviously that changes as you grow up and as you develop into who you're becoming as an adult. But, you know, as a kid, I just remember, you know, everything was normal. And sometimes that never came up. It was always a part of me that I thought, you know, it might come up in conversation. It's not something I, you know, lead with introducing myself. But that has changed tremendously since I've realized how it's a cornerstone for me. It's shaped who I am. Mm So you mentioned that there weren't a lot of Filipino families around where you lived. Mm -hmm. Um, Did did you have like other like close friends on your father's side or maybe either cousins or others, you know, friends, uh, kuyas, as we call them, or or ates uh, growing up? 
Yeah. So um, we actually always did um, with my dad's side and my grandma's side of the family specifically, we did a lot of family reunions. So they're from Mm -hmm. a lot of them live in Houston, Texas. So we'd always go down there and visit. And, you know, a couple of years we did like different locations. So they came to Wisconsin one year and then one year we went to Vegas. And, you know, it's just getting together with that side of the family and really just hanging out and embracing each other was always a big part of me remembering how you know, growing up and like, it was my Filipino side, it was my Filipino interactions. So yeah, we were all very close. And you know, as we've gotten older, it's been great to just see how everybody's doing. And they check in on us all the time, too. So it's great to have like those close ties to the Filipino community as family. It's great to also see that they're doing, you know, they're embracing the culture in the way that they feel comfortable. And we are too. So those were my big Filipino, like, milestones in my life was just seeing them and hanging out with that family. Please tell me that you had themed t-shirts for your reunions. I wish. No, we oh. never did that. But there were definitely times where we all bought the same t-shirt somewhere. Okay. Or I think we tried, but you know, I really wish we did those like cheesy, like, oh, the family reunion ones that are all the same color and we all wore them yeah. at the same time. That would have been great. <laughs> So Emily and I were the youngest of the cousins. So, you know, I think that we had the most fun kind of growing up with the older cousins and seeing like, what are you guys doing? Or, you know, they would always like basically be babysitting us. But it was great to just interact with them. And, you know, it it was always just fun whenever we all got together. Now, we'd sometimes play hide and seek outside, you know, it's just random things. And we always went to water parks in Texas. We were always really big into that and doing fun stuff like that, like going down water slides and just hanging out and having a good time there. Yeah. And um, did you when you so when you were with like your older cousins, did you have a little bit more flexibility than you would? Definitely. Yes, definitely. Yeah. (laughs) They, you know, they just let us do whatever we want. And then we'd always, you know, we, you know, stay up late, watch movies, just hang out. It was it was great. So obviously, any conversation amongst Filipinos uh, revolves around one topic, and that's food. I'm a fan of chicken adobo, for sure. Mm -hmm. And then I also like pancit. That's very good. And then my family is really big into, and my grandma loves them, the the little like egg rolls, the lumpia. She loves those. Yes, (laughs) she loves those. I remember growing up, we would do sometimes cultural days at school. So I'd have my grandparents come in and they would wear their barongs and they, you know, they would bring some stuff from the Philippines. But my grandma would always be like, let's just bring some lumpia. They could try it. So we'd always get like a tray of those and bring them to school. So that that's, it's always a big part of every family gathering. Mm-hmm. And so I have started making lumpia at home since oh, cool. the shelter in place, but I can't get the rolls to be as small as, you know, you oh, like yeah. they're supposed to be yeah. for one thing. And they never stay on the, you know, like the little plate that you have that has yeah, the, exactly, yeah. <laughs> as, as on the side. There's only maximum like two there every time because either I'm eating because you have to test it. Right. You have to make sure it's good. (laughs) Of course. Right. Or it's cooked through. Or someone comes by and takes one. I'm the I'm the kitchen lumpia stealer in in my family for sure. (laughs) Understandable. (laughs) Yeah. So you grew up across the street from your grandparents and were able to see um, cousins often. Um. Lynn, looking back, how do you uh, think that affected your current identity as a Filipino American? So I think for me, the biggest thing is that 
just learning about the culture. You know, I, I personally haven't been to the Philippines yet. So just learning about, you know, the life there and how, you know, my grandma grew up, how my grandpa had experiences there. And, and, it, you know, that those kind of stories really, you know, make me appreciate what, what they've gone through and what we have. And it's great to just kind of like have that. But again, I think when I was younger, it just used to be something about me that was just maybe like number four out of 10 things that I would tell people. And then now Mm -hmm. thinking about it, it really has shaped me into being somebody who has a background of, you know, people that have gone through adversity, that have really overcome obstacles. And that's something that I look up to and I really just want to take after. And it really encourages me to just be the best that I can be. And so this actually has, um, has, has helped inform your choice uh, to practice immigration work. Uh, Can you tell me a little bit about that? A lot of, you know, my Filipino family members came here as nurses or different professions and everything. And that's kind of how they, you know, got here and then sponsored their families to come here and learning about the process and how hard it is really made me appreciate that everybody is here and everybody, you know, kind of went through this struggle, but really got through it. And it is a complicated law to understand. So the fact that they overcame it and understood it and got the process down, it just really inspired me to really want to keep helping people in the immigration segment and really just learn more about how it works. Let's talk about your relationship with your sister, Emily. You're very close in age with Emily. Does that result in more confrontation against each other or conspiracy as in the two of you against the world? So a little bit of both, I would say. Um, We, you know, we're very competitive people. We're both very type A. So, you know, we get competitive, but we're also each other's biggest advocate. So whenever she has a success, I get the most excited. And whenever I have a success, she gets the most excited for me. So I think it's a little bit of both of the competition and conspiracy, I would say. We do not live together. We live about maybe four or five blocks from each other because we need our privacy, you know, just for a living. But then we see each other probably like five or six times a week. It's just easy to walk over there. So, you know, if we live together, we would kill each other. So we decided we're not (laughs) going to do that. So she she said, you know, to me the other day, she was like thinking about apartments and everything, you know, moving or whatnot. And I said, even if you move in my building, I think that's too close. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, we have our good space between each other when needed, but we, you know, it's all, it's close enough where we can see each other and just walk over and we see each other all the time. Let's talk about college. So you went to college relatively close by to where you grew up. What was that like? Um, it was great. So I wanted to be kind of further away than in state just to give myself a little bit of independence. So it was great to be five hours away just because my parents would come for, you know, Easter or other, you know, parent day events at school. So they were close enough where they could come and visit for the weekend, but also far enough where they didn't visit every weekend. And did you stay all four years at college? So I actually graduated in three years. The reason being is that I always knew I wanted to go to law school. And actually, uh, there was a program at my college that had a three and three year Mm. Um, program where you could graduate in six years with your um, with your undergrad degree and your law degree. So that was my initial intent going into it was that I would eventually do that. But then after my three years of college, after that was done, I realized how much I missed Chicago. So okay. um, I was there for only three years. So it was a very quick stepping stone in my life 
for college just because I knew it was just a stepping stone to get to law school, which was my ultimate goal. And were there a lot of Filipinos or Asians at Drake? There was a pretty good representation at Drake of Filipino Americans and Asian Americans specifically. But I personally wasn't involved at that time with any specific group or any kind of affinity network there just because I was focused on just making friends and going to school and just having, you know, a really good time. And it wasn't a part of, again, my identity that I wanted to, you know, really highlight or, you know, it didn't come out all the time. So it was just kind of, you know, in the back burner, I would say, of things that were a priority for me. And your main priority, uh, as you mentioned before, was um, going to law school. Um, How did you decide to become a lawyer? And when you did, did you have a particular practice area in mind? So good question. Um, The reason I decided to become a lawyer, and I have to credit it to Emily, she decided (laughs) she wanted to be a lawyer. She said, I like to argue with people, so I would like to be a lawyer. Then I thought to myself, I like to argue with people too. I want to be a lawyer. (laughs) So our plan, this was at six and seven years old, by the way. So our plan was to open up a law firm together and we would just, you know, conquer the world and do everything. I don't think we had any practice area in mind. I don't think we had any real plan. We just knew we wanted to be lawyers. And then going through, you know, high school and college, I kind of learned more about how the law really interests me. And I was really, you know, kind of gearing myself to set up for a corporate transactional kind of background. So I was really interested in business and entrepreneurship and marketing and different stuff like that. So that was our plan. And that was my plan going into, you know, law school, just thinking, not knowing anything about the law, really, but that was my plan, just kind of initially what I wanted to do. I, in my mind, I'm thinking, I'm looking, I'm, I'm thinking of the two of you uh, at six and seven, <laughs> wanting to be like law boss babes with your own like law firm, and you were hell bent on <laughs> taking we over the world. <laughs> so let's, um, let's uh, talk a little bit about your foray into uh, immigration law, which we touched on a little bit before. So can you tell me, uh, First and foremost, how you got started um, in that particular field. And also, if you wouldn't mind providing a little bit of um, background on how it's, you know, how it differs from, you know, other immigration practices when you are in, uh, when you are representing and and supporting uh, corporations. Sure. So in my first year of practice, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And we had the opportunity to just sample things from different practice areas. And I'll never forget, I got an assignment from my supervising attorney that I work with now. And it was through that, you know, first year pool that we had. I did the assignment. I really enjoyed it. And then she called me right after and she said, do you want another one? And I said, sure. So it's been great to just kind of, you know, dive in, try different things. And it's, it's been a very interesting part of my practice. And I always thought, that when you meet attorneys, you know, going through law school and everything and networking, my biggest shock and awe has always been, you know, meeting people and hearing their stories and them falling into one part of law, them saying, I never thought I would do this. And then here Mm -hmm. I am today. I thought those were always the greatest stories. But in my mind, I always thought to, no, I know exactly what I want to (laughs) do. Like, this isn't going to happen to me. That's, that's not my path. But then starting to practice, I end up falling into something. And that's now what I love to do and what I keep doing. So 
Um, it's been it's been great. When we represent our corporate clients, the biggest difference between that and other types of immigration law is that we help employers sponsor employees to come to the U.S. to work either temporarily or on a full-time permanent basis. So a lot of the stuff that we do is either, you know, the um, non-immigrant visas that are just coming for different professions, or sometimes we sponsor people. We have the employers go through the permanent resident um, process where we get green cards for those people, and then they become permanent residents to the U.S. So it's been very interesting to kind of do that and help corporations and clients be able to bring their employees that they really value and that they really want to keep working for their organization in the U.S. So that's the biggest difference, I think, between what I do in different family-based immigration or asylum and, you know, the different aspects of immigration law that are out there. When I started doing this, I knew I kind of tried some litigation stuff. It didn't really fit my personality. I didn't really love it. I tried some corporate transactional stuff and it was just kind of, it was great, but I didn't, you know, really fall into that either. So this was something where I thought that it was a great mix of just being able to connect that transactional side of my, I guess, transactional side of the stuff that I enjoy and the people side. And that's why in this labor and employment section that I work in, that's not really litigation based. I've really enjoyed being able to just kind of being able to help people and being able to see the results of my work and how it affects individuals as well as the corporations has been tremendous for me. The thing I love most about my job is the people, the people that I work with. Our immigration team is a little bit smaller at our firm. It's a it's a very niche segment of what we do in the grander labor and employment group. And my supervising attorney, the lady that I've worked with the most has been my mentor. She's been my teacher. She's been my biggest supporter. And it's been great to have somebody that is really on your side and really goes to bat for you. And I know a lot of people have different experiences, especially at larger law firms where they don't see the kind of mentorship or the kind of, I guess, support that they would really like to see. And I feel that that is exactly what I have. And I absolutely love it. I also love the paralegals that I work with. Some of them are my closest friends that I still talk to every single day. And it's been great to build those relationships. And the funny thing is, they're all not in Chicago. So it's people that I've met, you know, just working at my firm. And, you know, some are in Philadelphia, some are in Florida. And it just really depends, you know, on you know, the day that we, you know, every day that we work together is different and we all understand each other's struggles. And it's been great to have that really key support group, especially going through my first and second year of practicing. So based on those experiences, it sounds like you have a really great network of, um, you know, women and, uh, you know, mentors supporting you. What do you think that law firms can do to promote women and uh, women of color in particular? So I think that that is a great question because it's kind of the never ending question. I think firms are still trying to see and balance, you know, what they're doing to support women and especially diverse women and what they're also doing to just recognize, you know, that the firm is taking steps to do things that support diversity initiatives and diversity, you know, goals. And one thing I think that firms can do is just celebrate and bring awareness to people's successes. And I know my firm, you know, they do that a lot. And I think that's great. But I think the more and more we recognize that 
women and diverse women especially are, you know, becoming presidents of organizations or getting awards or writing articles and doing things that really contribute to the greater legal community. I think that's very important. And speaking of awards, um, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that Beth recently uh, uh, won an award and she is one of the best lawyers in America once to watch. It was very surprising (laughs) to me. I am. It's 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 still shocking to me to say it and to tell people. And I'm just really grateful for the opportunity to be recognized in what I do, because every day feels like you know, I'm just figuring it out. And it's nice to know that, hey, I'm doing something right. I sometimes I still feel like I don't know what I'm doing too. So, uh, but even with that being said, even if you don't feel it, clearly you are, you know what you're doing. Um, and it's just been uh, great to be, um, you know, to, to be able to, to celebrate that, uh, that with you. Um, what do you think clients of uh, law firms can do to help support diversity and promote the women that are working in the law firms that they, uh, that they hire? I think that the biggest thing would be just to recognize and to understand that that's something that they can preference and ask for and really look for in their representation. So for instance, I love telling people that, you know, our team is primarily women, it's diverse women. And I just being able to advertise and celebrate that to people and to clients is something that I think is very important. And I know some clients preference, you know, I would like a team that's diverse, or at least 30% women or different stipulations like that when they hire law firms as their representatives. So I think that clients just need to be aware that that is something that's okay to ask for. And that's something that is really encouraged when thinking about making sure that your team represents your values and they represent you as their client is just, I think, the cornerstone of what makes a really good legal relationship work. Another thing that I, you know, clients can, can, can also do is specifically request for um, attorneys of color, like talented younger attorneys of color, um, not only to staff their cases, but to be the main point of contact with, with the client. I'm looking forward to moving forward in my practice and just being able to have more client interactions and maybe do some pitches and just really advertise what we do as I get more confident in kind of touching every little piece of our practice. I feel more confident in telling people and advertising it and really just shouting it out to the world. We should represent you, you know, like this is what we do. And it'd be great to just be able to tell people, you know, how diverse our group is. And if you would like diverse representation, let us know, we can help with that. And Mm -hmm. I think that would just moving forward, I think the practice of law would change for the better if people and clients just started, you know, doing those little things that would really improve the DNI initiatives and goals within, you know, law firms and communities and corporations. So Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg recently passed away after serving on the Supreme Court since 1993. As a woman, lawyer, and someone fairly new to the legal profession, what does her legacy mean to you? To me, she was a mover, she was a leader, and she was somebody who implemented change in a way that nobody else did. Thinking about her long term on the Supreme Court for longer than I've been alive really inspires me to practice law in the way that makes me feel most 
comfortable and makes me advocate for the things I believe in. And it really just pushes me to implement the changes I want to see in the world as she did. Are there any lessons from her life and her legacy that you will carry forward as you start to establish your roots as a lawyer? One of the things in particular that I really appreciate about her practice and everything that she did was she said once, I think it was a quote from her that people keep popping up lately is that you should fight for the things that you want to fight for, but in a way that makes people want to follow you. And I think that that is the biggest difference. It's one thing to advocate and say what you believe in to one person, but it's another thing to really show why people should follow you and why people should agree and really just argue your point to a way that they'll understand and support you. And I think that's something that people lose sight in when they think of lawyers practicing law. And I think the way that she advocated for her cases and made her opinions was, you know, admirable in the sense that she always knew how to present things in a way that wouldn't be offensive, but would get the point across. Yeah, but she definitely got her point across she for sure did. in some of the opinions that, you know, we've seen that, you know, we've been reading and we've been talking about since her death. One of the things that she really focused on was enabling people that may have been disenfranchised, whether it's black voters or, you know, or women, and which is something that I think as uh, the NFALA community, we try and do too. So, you know, based on looking back at her legacy, are there any things that you think we as NFALA members should do to continue um, her work going forward? I think the biggest thing would be just remembering that change is always, you know, eminent, it's coming, and we should acknowledge it and embrace it in a way that is inclusive to everybody in our community, and is inclusive to everybody in outside of our Filipino community. Mm-hmm. I think that the way that Enfala could really carry out her legacy is implementing the changes it wants to see, and supporting everyone in our group and outside of our group that either want to implement those same changes, or even just talk to other people about their opinions. It, it really just comes down to being the leader that you want to see in other people. And I think she was the embodiment of a leader that hopefully we could all mimic and implement her ways into the way we practice and the way we socialize amongst our family. One of the things that um, you have also helped um, uh, initiate is um, something that you've done as, as uh, a chair of the Enfala Young Lawyers Network, which is start conversations regarding um, mental health in the current environment. So tell me a little bit about that. Uh, what's that been like for you? The mental health panels and different initiatives that we've taken for the Young Lawyers Committee have really been a reminder for not only attorneys that are younger in their career or in law school, but it's also for practicing attorneys that have been, you know, doing this for a long time too, just to remember that despite shelter in place, despite working at home all the time, it's really important to take, you know, that hour or so for yourself each day and to do something that you really enjoy and that relaxes you and that separates your work life from your personal life. And I feel that it's been a great reminder for me, especially that work isn't everything despite being working only at home and living at home. And I think that it's been a really good success for the people that have taken advantage of listening to how other people are supporting their mental health and how they're supporting each other during this difficult time in the shelter in place. Is there anything in particular that you do to take breaks? So I will either take a walk with my sister or by myself. It's been a beautiful summer in Chicago. So it's been great to kind of get outside, walk around, get, you know, 
familiar again with the outdoors and what's going on in the world. Um, I also love to, you know, take Netflix breaks and watch shows. Um, and Emily and I just started exercising together on the Peloton. So that's been really fun too. Um, it's been nice to kind of just start something together. That's been really fun. Who would you say has been your go-to instructor through this? So, so I love Robin. She's great. Um, my other favorite (laughs) instructor is Hannah Frankson from the UK. She's great too. Yes. Yes. I think she's always just so positive and she's just very calm about everything. So it doesn't make the class feel as intimidating as it probably should feel. Um, Mm -hmm. I also like Ben. He's great too. And then I take a lot of hip hop classes with Alex. Alex. Yes. Those are great. (laughs) In my mind, with Alex, sometimes in my class, it's almost like Buster Rhyme is the star structure. A thousand percent. I always think that too. He is very like, he just moves at a thousand miles an hour. And I never, I'm like, wow. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So great. So we will have to do um, a Peloton live at the next mid-year in New York City. Yeah, which actually last year was when I met you for the first time. Um, and you were representing uh, uh, Fala Chicago in part back then. So how did you get involved in, um, in that organization? Sure. So I had no real ties in law school to the Filipino lawyers community or any um, Asian American community specifically. I was very involved mm-hmm. in law school with different organizations. But that wasn't really something that I, you know, sought out specifically or looked into mostly because there wasn't a really large presence at my law school. So after I graduated, I kind of was looking for more involvement in things that were outside of my law firm, but also within the legal community. And Emily introduced me to some of her law school colleagues that were in her, in their Filipino group at their law school. And she said, Hey, you know, they're always looking for people to get involved. Why don't you go to a meeting and see how it goes? And then I automatically met some of my greatest mentors and friends that I currently still have. And I was hooked. I was immediately involved. And that's how I got involved in Enpala as well. Um, And I would be remiss if I didn't mention that a significant part of uh, being involved in the Phil and legal community is uh, food and dancing. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I think probably at this point in time, you've either helped us partake in 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 both, and definitely with uh, with Follow Chicago, um, probably some of the best food experiences. So so yeah, so always definitely great, always sure. great. Um, and we also have a com a common friend, the lovely and wonderful Christy Gunnowen. Mm-hmm. Uh, how did you meet her, and did how did she get you looped into Follow Chicago? So we actually met at that first meeting, and she had done her introduction. And I remember specifically, she said, "If anybody else wants to get involved in any of the other organizations that she's involved in, including Enfala, she said, you know, come talk to me." happy to discuss with you like how you can get involved and how you can get more, I guess, in- integrated within that community. So I called her immediately after and I said, how do I get more involved? Can you help me? And we hit it off there. And from there, we you know talked about how Enfala is really the parent organization of Follow Chicago. And she said, you know, you should come to Midyear. You should meet all of the leaders of the organization and really just get your foot in the door to see what we do. And that's how I came about to go to mid-year last year. And 
it, the rest has been amazing. Just meeting everybody and really feeling like part of the community, even though it, I'm just very new to it has been, you know, wonderful. And, and fall is really now a part of, I think the, one of the most important parts of my practice and one of the most important parts of how I identify myself as an attorney. So you're currently on the Fall of Chicago Executive Committee serving as secretary. Can you tell me how that's been so far? So we have had, you know, since COVID happened, it hasn't been the same as in the previous years. Um, We haven't had as many in-person gatherings or really any at all. It's all online now. And the different initiatives that we really wanted to accomplish have been kind of put on different, you know, different paces now that everything is virtual. But I think our president, Janice Dantes, right now has been doing an excellent job at just keeping everybody grounded and remembering, you know, we just want to add value to our members and what can we do to do that? And it's been great to work under a large group of leaders that have been involved with both Enfala and Fala Chicago for a long time. And I'm really just following their lead and just trying to make sure that, you know, I'm as helpful as possible. And then also remembering too, it's important to Remember, you know, why we all get together, what's important values to us in the legal profession as Filipino Americans. As a young lawyer um, and someone who's part Filipino, you also can provide a perspective on things and articulate some things um, that, frankly, you know, those of us of the old guard or the OGs <laughs> don't necessarily think about. What we are looking at is, you know, frankly, our uh, community um, is and should be becoming uh, more diverse um, and will include members whose ethnic identity overlaps between Filipino American uh, and other backgrounds or experiences. Is there anything that you think that we uh, should uh, keep in mind as we continue to, you know, to lead in the legal profession? I would say the biggest thing that I would love to see is just remembering, you know, everybody's a part of the Filipino community, regardless of what percent Filipino you are. And just remembering that everybody's welcome and everybody, you know, is equal as far as, you know, you don't have to have like the knowledge of, you know, somebody who grew up in a large Filipino community to be, uh, be, I guess, comfortable with just sharing your Filipino experiences. And just remember that everybody's experiences are different. And I've never felt anything other than welcome, despite, you know, being X percent Filipino versus somebody else. And I think that that's something that's been very welcoming to me. And just remembering that we're all one large family, and we're all here for, you know, different purposes, but also here for one grander purpose. And that's just to be a part of this family and be a part of this wonderful network of professionals. Are there any uh, particular uh, challenges that you think the lawyer, our younger lawyers should, you know, should be mindful of or ways that you think they should um, stay involved in the philam community? Sure. So I think that one of the biggest challenges for me, at least, was just fit, finding out where I fit in to the grander organization and not taking on too much, but also not taking on too little. And my biggest philosophy with getting involved is you put in what you get out. And I, you know, it's as much as you want to give of your time and your talent is what you will get out of the organizations that you're a part of. And I think one of the things that people are hesitant about in getting involved is 
thinking that, oh, I just want to use this to get a better job, or I just want to use this to meet somebody who's going to help me, you know, advance in my career or anything. And that is important, but also remembering that these, you know, these relationships are people that you can, you know, really use as mentors, really use as like a sounding board for your decisions and, or just to vent to about your issues or comments about what you're doing. And I think it's been really important for me to just find a support system that's outside of my place of work, but also people that I can relate to on a different level as far as our cultural backgrounds, our involvements, our interests, and our you know values and everything surrounding that. And I think it's been great for me to just meet people that have been in different parts of the legal profession, but have had their own successes in their own ways. And just remembering that, you know, you, your career is what you make it and your successes are always the successes of people that have helped you shape to who you are. I, I got to yeah. say too, one of the best experiences I've had with Enfala, especially this year, has been um, I was I volunteered to help with the mentorship program that we just kicked mm-hmm. off. And although it was mostly, you know, work and it was mostly logistical, you know, figuring out pairings and communicating with different people as far as timelines and things like that. It's been one of the most meaningful things I think I've done and just getting feedback from people that are in the program currently or that would like to be in the program in the future, just saying, this is great. I'm so glad we're doing this. I've gotten a lot out of it. My mentor is great. My mentee is great. Just hearing that just really warms my heart and really makes me encouraged to do more and to help out more because although it was, you know, some time and some effort to get it kicked off, it's really worth it when people get out of it, you know, what you expect and really get value from the different programs that you're planning and you put together. And I think Enfella has a lot to offer and we just need to tap into that potential whenever possible. Um, And on that note, is there anything you'd like us to know or think that we should do as we continue to build our Filipino American legal community? I mean, the only advice besides, because I think we're doing everything right right now, I think the biggest thing that I would say is just remembering that people are, you know, sometimes afraid to get too involved in the things that they don't understand and just spreading awareness of what we do and the different value that people can get out of being a part of such a great organization, I think is super important. It's been so great speaking with you, Beth. Um, And I just want to thank you for joining us today. Um, And I will have to find you on Peloton (laughs) sometime soon so that we can share workouts and and, and recommendations. Yes, of course. (laughs) It's just been so great speaking with you. And hopefully I'll get to see you in person soon. Thank you. You've been listening to In the Pocket a podcast brought to you by the National Filipino American Lawyers Association. If you'd like more information on Enfala, look us up on Facebook or go to enfala.com. See you soon.